Welcome to Risky Business, a show where we get to explore new and innovative ways to understand and reduce risk by bringing together some of the leading professionals in the transportation and the insurance industry. My name is Scott Grandis. I hope you enjoy the show. Let's kick it off. Well, welcome back to Risky Business. This is by far my favorite part of what I do uh, because we get to explore all kinds of new risk things looking at things different ways, uh, finding new and innovative ways to take a look at uh, trucking, wheels, insurance, and all that good stuff. And quite frankly, one of the main reasons I'm doing this now is because uh, of Dave here. For any of you that remember, we did our town halls, and what came out of that was some pretty cool stuff that has fueled us to do some really new things. So anyways, today... I have Mr. Dave Heller, who I've known for, oh my God, how long has it been now? I tried asking Sims this the other day, because I think it's similar in life. It's it's a long time. I think they stop counting when it gets it to a certain point. So it's it's been <laughs> a decade or two, to say the very least. That's right. That's right. Well, cool. Well, Dave, listen, for anybody that doesn't know you, which is probably unheard of for the people that watch this, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about what you do, a little bit about the TCA. Sure, no problem. Dave Heller, obviously. I'm the I'm TCA Senior Vice President of Safety and Government Affairs. So um, it's my understand it's my job or or task to understand anything and everything that's coming out of uh, the federal government, whether it's Congress or FMCSA, and and know the effects that it's going to have on our trucking population, and that's the truckload carrier community, if you will. TCA is a is the only organization whose sole focus is the truckload segment of the industry, representing roughly about 78% of the freight that is moved by truck is done so on a truckload carrier in this country. And we have membership that ranges anywhere from carriers the size of 20 trucks to carriers as large as 30,000. So uh, certainly we have uh, the gamut of membership size and, and they do a great job in, in, in meeting the needs of the industry and certainly are not shy when it comes to all these things we're going to talk about today. Uh, uh, uh. Oh, so one of my favorite lines that came out of the town hall is, I'm with the federal government up here. <laughs> you know, it's funny because I've, I've, I've already had two conversations today that kind of accurately reflect that statement. And it, it, it comes to fruition more times than we care to admit. And I always tell people, if, if you think your representatives are familiar with the industry and can adequately answer the questions to the problems that we're having on a daily basis, we're probably thinking wrong. So it benefits everybody. The more people we have in trucking that are talking trucking rules and regulations to Congress and our friends at FMCSA, then the better off we're going to be. Don't hesitate to tell your story. That's what I always say. Oh yeah, for sure. Those calls on Washington are amazing. Oh, you know, yeah. so it's, I found it's so much easier than people think. Like, I think sometimes folks get worried that, oh my God, I'm going to go in front of a congresswoman, a congressman, a senator. It's so simple. Oh, it is. And remember, they're, they're tired of hearing from me, right? So they they know me. I walk into their office and they're tired. They enjoy hearing from people, their constituents or people who have trucks that are on roads within their district to talk about some of the problems they have. And it's one of those things that they cannot get enough of. Certainly it can be intimidating whatnot, especially I'm always in awe when I walk the halls of, of the office buildings over there and you're on some marble steps that have been worn away just by the decades and centuries of people walking those same steps. And it, it certainly is a cool thing to do, uh, but you oh, shouldn't yeah. be intimidated. That's what they're there for. They're there to understand the issues that you're having. 
and and make rules and regulations based on those issues. Fix the problems that we have in business. And that's what they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah. So what are their hot topics? What are they working on? What's brewing at the FMCSI? Oh, where, where do you... <laughs> that's a good place to start. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because they're, they've come out with this national roadway safety strategy because they're obviously acknowledging the accidents that are taking place on our interstates, which is... It's not a small matter. It's it's something that there needs to be improvement and and highlighting the fact that road transportation certainly is is a massive industry and and those accident numbers are are going in the wrong direction. So they're trying to take ample steps to reverse the trend and come out with new regulations. Think automatic emergency braking, for instance. Um, they just announced a notice of proposed rulemaking through NHTSA um, to put. AEB on new trucks that are coming off the line when you order new equipment into your fleet. So they've just announced a rulemaking on that. Um, we've just filed comments on our uh, side underride guard position and, and going down that road. But they're certainly dedicated to reducing accidents on our, our roadways. You're looking at a lane departure warning system rulemaking that they could possibly come up with, as well as speed limiters that seem to be everybody's favorite point of discussion these days. And it's one of those things that they're going down the road. They're their rulemaking or safety strategy contained a lot of speed-related flavor to it, if you will. And one of the things they're doing is trying to come out with a rule that would address speed-related accidents or site speed as one of the factors involved in an accident. So they're trying to curb that. And, and that becomes that quintessential thing is what they're trying to do and what they're looking to come out with. So I got a question. Sure. So we had a meeting recently and we were talking a little bit about what's well, not called collision avoidance technology anymore now it's collision mitigation correct? yeah uh, because uh god forbid we have the wrong back <laughs> but anyway <laughs> and it'll change within a year too by the way oh yeah of course it'll be something else that's more fluffy <laughs> <laughs> so is there any stats or is the fmcsa tracking any stats on like because you mentioned automatic braking systems lane departure systems are there stats on the correlation between those technologies and reduction of crashes and claims? Uh, and, you know, there are actually some stats when you look at it, specifically looking at automatic emergency braking, if you will. You know, one of the things they say, they can reduce front to rear crashes by 41% in the trucking industry if all our commercial motor vehicles were equipped with AEB. So the stats are out there and it's the returns are there and showing that the technology is actually working. 41% reduction is you know, That's it's huge. a huge thing. This is not something to to just wave off. And this is IIHS that has put out that stat. So it's one of the things that we as an industry are acknowledging. I know carriers are actively adopting this type of technology to their fleet. So this is a situation where industry is pretty much ahead of government regulation. I know the majority of TCA members are already specking this technology out in their trucks and they're ahead yeah. of regulation on this. So I think it's it's one of those situations where if the return is there and the results are there, industry is going to is going to put it on their trucks. There's no doubt about it. Oh yeah, for sure. We did a study, and this goes back to December, but I think it was nine hundred thousand crashes we looked at in the FMCSA data. It's I don't know if people really realize the amount of accidents that take place involving the big trucks, whether it's their fault or not. It's still part of the crash results. But yeah, and you make an interesting point too, and. You have to also, and kind of, this is me getting on my pulpit here, but you somewhat have to look at fault a little bit nowadays too, because let's not forget that FMCSA is in the preventability business now and have been so for three years, and of which they've made determinations on 29,000 accidents where almost 28,000 of the accidents submitted 
were deemed non-preventable. So they're in that business now of looking at the preventability of aspects, accidents, and, and the aspects that go along with them to see who's actually at fault in some of these accidents. So it's worth noting that they are in that business now. So when we do look at those numbers, we have to look at them a little bit more accurately because there's a, now a, a government depiction of what some of these accidents actually are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's so much variation and there's so many different ways that you could look at a crash. Well, that's good. I mean, I, I think it's good if they start pushing the technology. And you know what? Any any trucking company that I've ever talked to, if they can put technology in the trucks that's going to reduce crashes and claims, I don't think there's any pushback at all. Oh, I agree. And, you know, and we're an industry that uh, I always call that trickle-down safety, so to speak, where if somebody tries a device out, this isn't going to be a state secret that they're using this. If, if it works and the results are there and it can reduce accidents, that information is going to be shared and shared quickly. We're very much an industry of who we know. As we said, you and I have known each other for numerous years, a couple of decades at least. And, you know, we're not shy and nobody in the industry is shy. So if you have a piece of technology that is working, we're going to share that information and say, you know, you may tell me and then I may talk to a couple of carriers and next thing you know, they're trying it out and realizing the safety benefits of that technology. So these things um, take on a natural progression in ter terms of adoption well before rulemaking's ever happened. And it's one of those definite things. If the return is there and the technology works, people are going to use it. Yeah, for sure. So I had an interesting conversation with a, uh, with a gentleman in the trucking industry about a week or so ago. And the conversation revolved around collision mitigation technology and a potential driver that doesn't pay attention as much. Do you think there's any correlation there where they fit where the driver is like the technology's gonna take over? I don't I I don't have to pay attention as much. You think we're gonna see any of well, that? you know, and that speaks to like automated driving and whatnot and driver assist technology that really is gonna start coming into our industry. It's you know, it's that Jetsons type future that we're all used to joking around about. But at the same point, the future is here. You know, you're looking at pieces of technology that will help drivers operate in a safer fashion. Do I endorse the fact that they wouldn't have to pay attention as much? No, I'm not going to endorse that. I, you know, I think part of driving is always going to be let's pay attention whether you are responsible for operating that truck 100 years from now or not. If you're sitting in that seat, oh, yeah. you better be paying attention to what's going on in front of you because you and I both know something always unexpected happens on the road oh, yeah. um, and you got to be prepared for that. But at the same point, the bevy of driver assist pieces of technology that are starting to come out in the marketplace, also incorporating fully autonomous testing of vehicles is things that we have to acknowledge and take part of that will improve the safety performance of our drivers. This is driver assist technology. This is this is making them better than they ever have been on top of the fact that they are already the safest, most well-trained drivers on our road today. Yeah, for sure. You know, I did a, um, I did a podcast with, with an Uber driver that I ran into uh, in Cleet and he was just cool. Probably the coolest Uber driver I ever met. So anyways, I did a podcast with him. And he was driving a Tesla and he had the, the beta autonomous version of it. Um, and he's like, his words were exactly this. He goes, absolutely. It makes me a safer driver. Cause it's like having a second set of eyes on the road. He goes, the car's watching and I'm watching. So without a doubt, he's like, it's totally safer than any other vehicle he's driven. And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about technology here that will give you that second set of eyes that will give you that, Hey, Scott, watch out, you know, or something along those lines. And, 
and that makes the industry better. And certainly these pieces of technology are coming to the industry. Carriers are testing them out or getting into pilot programs with them, whether it's, it's collision avoidance mitigation systems, AEB, lane departure warning systems, all these pieces of technology that make the driving job easier, but also better prepare our drivers to operate in a safer fashion. Yeah. Have you heard any feedback on folks on forward-facing and inward-facing AI cameras? Feedback. Are they, are they for, for them or against them? You know, and, and the feedback I've gotten is a lot of people have put forward-facing cameras on their truck, without a doubt. And I think it, there was a time where I think the, the story was truck stops could not even keep them in stock. They were selling out so quickly because the returns are there. And now as an industry, we're starting to go down that road of inward-facing cameras as well. And and certainly there's, you know, there's some adoptance or some acceptance features that have to coincide with them. But even the carriers I know that have adopted inward-facing cameras certainly have done so as a, as a success story. So inward-facing, not as prevalent as forward-facing ones are. But like I said, that time in truck stops couldn't keep forward-facing cameras on the shelves because the return was there. The acceptance of those right. that technology was there showing that there were more things a driver did to avoid the accident or prove the accident was not the fault of that driver certainly justified the reasoning for the adoption of that technology. And it's, it's that aspect of it that people are endorsing and embracing when they put them on their trucks. Well, yeah. And I'll tell you, so, you know, I, I, I do a lot of camping, go back and forth from Arizona to Illinois. Now I think with you, it's called glamping. Well, yeah, that's yeah. it. That's about yeah. right. That's about right. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. We got we got that straight. <laughs> but you know, I, I I I pay attention to these trucks a lot, and I mean, you could see them backing off. You can see them trying to give space. I think I personally think that these AI forward facing cameras at some point are going to be such good protectors of the trucking space because they're going to catch all these knuckleheads on the road that are doing stupid stuff, cutting off trucks because they're pissed off because they're moving slow. And then they slam on the brakes and the next thing you know, the truck's breaking hard. And I've, I've had people do that to me on my camp. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, this is not okay. So I, I hope it just continues to roll out because I, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to help the industry. I, you're right. And, it, you know, a knucklehead is probably a kind term for some of these people. And <laughs> I was being kind. AAA will tell you that 75 of 75% of the accidents between a truck and a passenger vehicle are the result of, of a result of the passenger vehicle operating erratically or at fault. So not the fault of the professional truck driver out there. And those are strong numbers, but unfortunately we do have to share the road with them. And, you know, there's that defensive driving mindset that our drivers have to operate with that will always be there. Um, but it's one of those opportunities other than wrapping trucks in bubble wrap and, and sending them along the way, how can we best accommodate and make sure our drivers have the ability to deliver load and make it home safely. I think those are the most important things. Now that reminds me of a recent, it was, I think it was on LinkedIn and it was a bunch of guys running around in those, like those balls that you can lift up and they surround your whole body and they're playing soccer. Oh, yeah. That would be, that would be so fun. We could develop that for trucks. That would be yeah, fun. There's no <laughs> doubt. It'd be, it'd be an awfully large piece of plastic without a doubt, but it'd be interesting to see. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, all right, so let's talk about new drivers, young drivers. And when I say young drivers, not necessarily in age, but in experience. How's traction on that? How are things moving along on that? Well, you know, it's interesting because we're now operating under a rule that standardizes entry-level driver training, which is a standard we didn't have previously, one that never existed. 
And now we're into this for the last couple of years in which schools have a minimum standard to train by. So I think when we say that our drivers are the most professional, well-trained, safest drivers on the road today, there's now a minimum standard to go by when it comes to that. So schools are teaching and have to teach to that same standard. Even that independent contractor that may be training their son or daughter to get into the business, they have a standard by which they need to train by so that that potential driver or new driver, one that has never had their CDL before, has the proficiency behind the skills that are needed to operate in this industry. And that's what that standard looked to create and is doing so right now. So it eliminated that wild, wild west game of CDL mills that we all knew were out there and creates a a de facto standard to train people that are getting into this industry. So the question is, is what are the hiring standards at carriers? And I think it's across the board. Some carriers will obviously bring in and train drivers right from the start, have their own schools, and will bring them into the industry and train them. Others may not do so. It just all depends on the standards that they have within their industry. But I think there's always going to be a need for a high-quality, safety, preferential driver to operate in our industry, and they're going to have to start somewhere. Yeah, I agree with you. And, you know, on the town halls we did, there was a statement that was made by our our good friend, Mr. Greg Fury. (laughs) And his statement was, and this will always stick with me, the insurance industry has more control over things that happen in the trucking industry than the federal government. And when he said that at first, I'm like, what are you talking about? But I think we were on new drivers, maybe young drivers. And his point was, if the insurance industry isn't going to allow the young driver in the truck because they're not going to insure it, then it doesn't really matter what the federal government says because they can't get insurance. So are you seeing or hearing that the insurance industry is lightening up a little bit on that front, or is it still tough to get those, you know, those drivers with less than a year of experience in the trucks? You know, and this becomes that situation when we as an industry are somewhere in their neighborhood of 78 to 80,000 drivers short, right? And don't get me wrong, we've always operated as an industry that has had a driver shortage, and we always have, we'll find a home for a person that wants to drive a truck provided they want to do so in the correct and properly trained way. But in saying that, the difference between, say, 60,000 driver shortage and 80,000 driver shortage are empty shelves at Walmart and Target. Um, You didn't have those at 60. You have them now at 80,000 drivers. And if we don't do anything about it, that number isn't going to go away. It's just going to get larger because freight is going to continue to grow, which is the last thing, A, that the federal government wants, the last thing that the trucking industry wants. You know, we want to continue to deliver freight and do so safely. So in saying that, there has to be obviously some accommodations to make when we get new drivers into the industry. You know, is insurance driving that? I'm certain certain rates will fall in, but so does safety culture, right? Uh, you know, you can bring a new driver into a carrier that has an awful safety culture, and that driver is not going to be successful regardless of whether he's a 10-year vet or a, a first-time driver. But if you bring a new driver into a company that has a tremendous safety culture, and, and is doing things so that that driver can succeed, guess what? You know, that driver is going to be pretty successful in year one and probably be pretty successful in year 20 when they stay around. So, you know, there's a lot of things that go into it rather than just the age of the driver. It's the overall opportunity or how that entire safety department operates. And we've got some pretty good ones at TCA. I'm not going to lie. Some of our members are real active out there with some great programs and a tremendous culture. So that's our our shameless TCA plug right there. But at the same point, it's not wrong. You know, this is the cream of the crop. 
there's a reason why people join associations and that's because they want to be around the people that are performing the best so that they too can have their questions answered because there's not a problem out there that somebody else hasn't faced or are currently facing. And the members of TCA know that the members of state trucking associations know that I think it's a great Avenue, but again, there's, while experience certainly matters, there's also a lot that goes on at the carrier level that will combat that experience level and safety culture is going to be that one, that one thing that drives it. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, I, I, I go to London a lot, as you know. <laughs> <laughs> wait, but wait, wait, before I get on this path, did I tell you when I, so last year I was in London for 12 weeks straight, we did this Lloyd's Lab thing and I was out, 4th of July is my absolute favorite holiday. Uh-huh. And I was out there for Fourth of July, and what, what one of my British friends said, "Happy Trader Day." that? <laughs> 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 but but I will say this: so there's a, I'm having a lot of discussions with some of the folks in the London market about this thing, about new drivers, inexperienced drivers coming into the industry. Yeah, and from from what I'm hearing from those folks that really love data, right? They're saying. There's a lot of things that we can do up front. So there's a standard now, right? Then some of the other things we're talking about are, I hate to use the term profile, but it's the term that is used for this. You can have them take tests. Like you can have your best drivers, mediocre drivers, worst drivers take tests. And then you can kind of mirror where does this new driver fit into the spectrum and then potentially engage certain types of technologies or monitoring experiences and whatnot. Uh, you know, depending on kind of where they fall. And then you can see in real time, are they, are they moving in the right direction? Are they becoming more risky? Are they not as safe as when they were first trained? So I I think that we're going to start to see the insurance industry lighten up a little bit, lighten up from the aspect that they'll, they'll allow it to happen. But I think we're also going to see them tighten up and say, I'll allow it to happen. But I have to have visibility. We need to be able to see is that driver still safe. We need to be able to see that they're going to continue to to be a safe driver. Those types of things. So I I think we're going to see a shift. Well, yeah, you know somebody somebody had told me in this industry that data is the new oil, right? And and this is the 21st century trucking industry now, where we are generating so much data that people are just getting their arms around it and being able to drive what their driving population looks like and and what their safety performance can be predictive analytics it's eventually it's going to come down to the fact if that person has blonde hair and blue eyes they're going to be better drivers than somebody who has brown hair and brown eyes you know not good as drivers that have no hair correct you know (laughs) they won't dare put us behind the wheel of the truck but my (laughs) point being is these these types of analytics that are really starting to evolve into trucking. It's kind of like baseball, right? When you start looking at all these new stats that can come about, because we now have the technology to examine it. We can look at how many hard breaks a driver may have accumulated in the last month. And of course, that old phrase, past performance almost always equals future performance. You know that if you don't do something about it, there is a propensity for something else to happen. So you can then not only are you taking maybe a new driver and creating an even better driver based upon that new driver's performance, but you could do so with your more seasoned veterans as well. And using the data that's presented to you, you can instill a better performing driving population within your fleet so that you're driving better. And it's one of the things that I think everybody is starting to look at because ELDs was kind of the, the 
game changer when it came out to start generating data. And that was kind of the first piece that really started this tidal wave of numbers to come at people of, of ones and zeros and data that generates to how these people are actually performing. And, and since 2019, when they were required on every truck that operates on our interstates, it has been a tidal wave of data that has been thrown at the industry. And people are are deciphering that data to see exactly how it reflects upon the industry and where there is opportunity for improvement. And there's tremendous opportunity, without a doubt, when you have 50,000 accidents on our highways on a yearly basis, there's always going to be opportunity. So in saying that, that becomes the real issue is let's, let's talk about the data, let's use that data to our strength and create better safe, create better performing drivers in the safety arena. And I, it's a natural foregone conclusion, it's gonna happen. It's reliant upon the data that's out there and it's for the terminator fans out there we're you know steps away from skynet taking over so uh, 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 speaking point. of which <laughs> which back, back to my camping so i just plunged into the elon musk world okay uh, and i got um starlink which by the way is absolutely phenomenal literally i put this i don't know 18 inch by 10 inch dish on the ground turn it on Hook it up to the modem, it spins and it finds the satellite, and I have absolute high speed anywhere I go. So that's the world we're in today. It's just absolutely amazing. Again, glamping because camping when <laughs> I was a kid was a, a tent. I'm ruining it. was a tent, a sleeping bag, and a fire if you could get it started. That was camping <laughs> when I was a kid. Now you've got this satellite dish that will log on and give you high <laughs> Wi-Fi and all that stuff. <laughs> I see how it is. It's amazing, which leads me into, all right, I got two more questions. Okay. So the next one is, since we're on technology, actually three questions. It's been racking my brain since you said it. What was the name of the Jetsons dog? Was it Cosmo or Astro? It might have been. Why does that bring a bell? Or maybe I've just been watching too much Seinfeld, but Cosmo, <laughs> Cosmo definitely comes to mind. <laughs> All right, so I'm asking you this question while you're answering it. I'm going to look it up. All right, so have had a lot of conversations about autonomous trucks. Yep. How far away are we? What do you hear? What do you think is going to happen in that arena? Wow, that's a great question. And, you know, the technology's there now. If you talk to a lot of these autonomous truck companies and, and things like that, they can do these things now. Um, and, you can have a self-driving truck on the highway. But at the same time, I, I'm in the camp of this is, there's going to be a driver there I, I, for at least my lifetime, um, per se, because there's just still has to, a lot of things has to happen in terms of really kind of rolling it out in an environment where, where it's truly autonomous. There's going to be a need to put a person in that seat. Look, I took a flight to Chicago just last week and, that flight was on autopilot for some point, but that doesn't remove the pilots from the cockpit. And I think that same math holds true. Um, so there's always going to be a need for the professional truck driver out there, but the technology is, is certainly there that these trucks can operate on our highways right now, specifically in long distance runs, but there still has to be a lot more testing that has to go through. But, um, I, you know, it's interesting because again, when you and I got into this industry, that was kind of the furthest thing from our mind, right? And now here we are having a conversation of it. Yeah, it's uh so when in Phoenix, uh Waymo uh has cars driving around and it's creepy when you see that there's no driver. 
But I think, you know what I think is going to happen? Because we saw this with Uber in Phoenix as well. Um, there, was an, there was an accident. It was a, there was a fatality. And it was, uh, it was, I think it was on um, the main drag in Tempe. And somebody had crossed the road at dusk that in a spot that wasn't a crossing area and the car just didn't pick it up at night. And, you know, it was picked out. So what do they do? They strip it all back. The autonomous cars were gone. They're just now starting to come back into the market. So not that we're going to see fatalities, hopefully, but well, we probably will uh, with autonomous trucks. But I think there's going to, there's, they're going to test it. Something's going to happen. Then we're going to have to strip it back, reprogram, retest, put it back out. So I agree with you. I think, We'll see bits and pieces of it in our lifetime, but I don't think we're going to see trucks rolling down the highway with nobody in them for quite some time. And I think it just goes back to what we were talking about earlier in this conversation is, is these give the tool, drivers the tools to operate in a safer fashion. It's a driver assist technology at its finest and, and continues to go down that road so that we can eliminate accidents on our roadways without a doubt. And I think the trials still have to be there. The experimentation still has to be there. Um, and we'll continue to be there um, to the point where it does make our driving population that much safer. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Okay, two more things. First thing, Astro. His name was Astro. Okay, all right. You were close. I, was, were close. I think Cosmo. I said Astro was my second guess or something <laughs> like that. I was stuck on Cosmo. <laughs> all right, so last question. What is the favorite, what is your favorite part of what you do? Uh, I think uh, this, not necessarily the podcast, but the relationships with that I have had for decades uh, with people like yourself. This is trucking as vast as it is. It's quite a small industry. Everybody knows everybody. And I, I can't count the number of relationships that I've developed over the years that certainly make this job extremely rewarding and will continue to do so for the rest of my career. So I wouldn't change that for anything. It's become kind of one of those certainly circles of trust, if you will, where you kind of develop a go-to people, list of people. And that list grows every year. It grows almost every month with people that you meet and get to know and develop relationships with. Whether it's talking about trucking or just talking about, you know, what we do for fun, it just becomes an entire sort of of environment where you can just rely on people in this industry that will always be there to answer a question and vice versa. So I think that's probably the best part of my job is that I get to do that on a daily, if not yearly basis and travel and meet even more people as the year rolls on. That's awesome, dude. Awesome. Well, listen, thank you for being off. You got it. I always appreciate the time. Always love talking to you. I will see you soon. I'm trying to get myself out of, out of the, the British move, the British invasion and uh, trying to uh, trying to get back into uh, into daily life again. Welcome back from across the pond, right? Uh, well, yeah. going again in another week. <laughs> so look out for the boats. If they call you a traitor again, just say we won the war, right? That's, all you gotta that's, that's right. You can't be a traitor if you win. Yeah, exactly. So uh, yeah, thank stuff. you for having me. It's a blast anytime. And hoping, hoping, doesn't, hoping it won't rain on you this weekend when you go camping. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. Well, you know, this weekend is about, so my little nephew's turning five. So this is about his birthday. We're going to have, we're going to Jellystone. So we're having Yogi come to the campsite, wish him happy birthday. And yesterday, oh, I got to see if I can pull up the picture, see if you can see this and then, then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. But my, my sister doesn't like to give my nephew a whole bunch of candy. So yesterday we went sugar shopping 
<laughs> Y'all ain't fooling around, are you? <laughs> He's got like six different kinds of marshmallows, Oreos, chocolate, Skittles, all kinds of stuff. So it's going to be a sugar weekend. And if his dentist is watching, he's probably applauding this as well. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Good times. All right, my friend. Be well. Talk to you soon. You got Thanks. it. Bye. I hope you enjoyed our show today. Remember, when it comes to creativity and innovation, I always like to quote one of my favorite lines out of the movie Tommy. If you ain't growing, you die. There ain't no third direction. My name's Scott Greenbus. I'll see you on the next show. Peace.